Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and tokettes And non-token lovers of liberty It is Tuesday, August 23rd, 2016 And it's got to be 420 Somewhere in the world Thanks for joining us here on a beautiful day in beautiful legal potland, Oregon. And uh, welcome to the show. We've got plenty of marijuana news and interviews and Seattle Hemp Fest highlights for you on today's show. But before we get to all that, I've got breaking news coming across from our friend Tom Angel out at marijuana.com. He's the head of the Marijuana Majority at marijuanamajority.com. And he reports on a decision just handed down by the U.S. 10th Circuit Court of Appeals. This one's a big one, folks. It had to do, uh, 10th Circuit, that's Colorado, had to do with a guy uh, driving out of Colorado in a car with Colorado plates, stopped in Kansas because he had Colorado plates. And the uh, 10th Circuit ruled today that you cannot just use someone's out-of-state plates as a justification for pulling them over and searching them. And this is a quote from the decision today. Quote, currently, 25 states permit marijuana use for medical purposes with Colorado, Alaska, Oregon, Washington, and Washington, D.C., permitting some recreational use under state law. Thus, the officer's reasoning would justify the search and seizure of the citizens of more than half of the states in our country. It is wholly improper to assume that an individual is more likely to be engaged in criminal conduct because of his state of residence. And thus, any fact that would inculpate every resident of a state cannot support reasonable suspicion. Accordingly, it is time to abandon the pretense that state citizenship is a permissible basis upon which to justify the detention and search of out-of-state motorists, and time to stop the practice of detention of motorists for nothing more than an out-of-state license plate." That is an amazing decision that we've gotten out of the Tenth Circuit. That's going to help a lot of people driving out of Colorado. Uh, doesn't help my friends on the western end of Interstate 84 driving from Oregon through Idaho because that's in the Ninth Circuit. But uh, who knows? Maybe we'll get a decision there or a conflicting decision. We can take this all the way to the Supreme Court because no way should your license plate, just what state you're from, be a justification for law enforcement to be harassing you and searching you. So good news there. We'll get more in depth on that on tomorrow's show. Now, coming up on today's show, after we get to the Cannabis Radio News, we've got a cannabis focus segment on that uh, Publix story. You know, the uh, grocery chain down there in Florida and the heiress from that chain who donated $800,000 against medical marijuana in the state of Florida. Well, now they're fighting back. And there's a story on this on how Irv Rosenfeld, one of the two remaining federal medical marijuana patients, his wife is leading the charge in some respects, along with Bobby Platshorn and uh, Karen Goldstein at uh, Normal of Florida and a bunch of other folks. 
Michael Minardi and others leading this charge against Publix, and it's starting to have an effect. Then we'll get to some drug war data mining. In the data mines today, we take a look at forecasts from the Arcview Group on just how big the marijuana industry will become by the year 2020. Then, after about half past, we get to our government at work segment. We've got John Getman, PhD, joining us. He's a former director of Normal and the author of two of the petitions, two of the four petitions that were rejected for rescheduling by the DEA. He'll tell us about this latest rejection. Then at the end of the show, we'll have time for Cannabis Chronicles with Derek Davis, the CEO of California Cannabis CPA. Then in hour two, highlights from Seattle Hemp Fest, myself on the black stage, Martin Lee from Project CBD, and Allison Drayson from Edaluz in Washington State. It's all coming up next on the Russ Belleville Show. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Earn your PhD in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. The cannabis business industry is growing, business is booming, and as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Today, it takes more than just being a good grower. Do you have the resources to market and handle this ever-changing business landscape? Let Canna Management Corporation help you grow your Canna business with our vast resources and experience to make your business a fully functional service company. Financial management, HR, sales, marketing, efficiency, and more. CMC has the experience and the expertise to improve your business and help you better meet the demands of your clients and customers. Call Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit canna-management.com. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. All you have to do is decriminalize. We don't need a government regulation to tell us this is good plot, that's bad plot. We don't need any of that. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Each year on my birthday, every American gets a cupcake. Okay, maybe you're high too. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. 
This is your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, August 23rd, 2016. Portland, Oregon. Tax revenue from legalized marijuana in Oregon has blown away initial two-year forecasts in just the first seven months of sales. The Oregon Liquor Control Commission had originally projected that the state would garner $18.4 million in tax revenue in 2016 and 2017 combined. Portland's KGW reports that Oregon reaped over $25 million from January through July of this year alone, according to the State Department of Revenue. Oregon taxes recreational cannabis at 25% in early sales from medical marijuana dispensaries. When recreational stores go live later this year, a state tax of 17%, along with local taxes as much as 3%, will go into effect. Las Vegas, Nevada. Mixed martial artist Nate Diaz may be in trouble for using a cannabidiol vape pen at a press conference after he lost his rematch with Conor McGregor in UFC 202. UFC rules forbid marijuana use six hours before or after a match, and Diaz complied with the mandatory post-fight urine screening. Diaz's admission could lead to sanctions from the Nevada State Athletic Commission and the UFC. Nate's brother Nick, also a world-class mixed martial artist, is currently serving an 18-month suspension for multiple positive screenings for marijuana metabolites. Both Diaz brothers have been outspoken proponents of medical marijuana use in sports. Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis is joining Nashville in pursuing a municipal marijuana decriminalization ordinance. The Memphis City Council passed the first reading of the measure that would treat possession of a half ounce or less of marijuana as a civil infraction with a $50 ticket or community service. Last week, Nashville's Metro Council passed a first reading of a similar ordinance. Both cities will reconsider their ordinances in at least two more votes before they become law. Current state law in Tennessee treats possession of less than an ounce as a misdemeanor with a potential year in jail and a $2,500 fine. Los Angeles, California. Paramedics responded Monday to another rash of illnesses among a group of people in the Skid Row area of Los Angeles, where people have attributed similar incidents to use of a synthetic form of marijuana known as spice. Firefighters evaluated 18 patients and took 14 of them to the hospital for doctors to determine the cause of the symptoms, said Fire Department spokeswoman Margaret Stewart. On Friday, emergency responders took 18 people to hospitals from the downtown area where the homeless gather. Fire Department spokesman Brian Humphreys said those treated Friday showed difficulty with muscular coordination, had slurred speech, and were vomiting. Police Sergeant Ed Kinney told City News Service that officers believe that group consumed synthetic drugs from the same batch because of the large volume of calls within the same time frame. Little Rock, Arkansas. Arkansas Attorney General Leslie Rutledge has again rejected a proposed constitutional amendment for the 2018 ballot to legalize marijuana in the state. The proposal by Mary Berry of Summit would allow the cultivation, production, distribution, sale, possession, and use of the cannabis plant and all products taken from the plant, including marijuana. Rutledge wrote in Monday's opinion that the proposal is being rejected because of ambiguities that include whether a license is required to distribute marijuana, whether state agencies or the legislature may adopt rules to revoke or suspend the licenses, and that it's unclear how and by whom various state agencies would be appointed to oversee the law. Rutledge in April approved a similar ballot proposal by Barry for the November 2016 election, which isn't affected by Monday's action. Phoenix, Arizona. 
State officials say they received hundreds of applications for approximately 30 new licenses for medical marijuana dispensaries. The Department of Health Services says it has processed 750 applications and that it anticipates awarding 31 dispensary licenses after reviewing those applications that are deemed to be complete and in compliance with requirements. Arizona now has 99 licensed dispensaries, and 92 of those are open and operating. According to the department, 97% of the state's residents live within 25 miles of an operating dispensary. The department administers the medical marijuana program launched through the voters' approval of a 2010 proposition and initiative campaign. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, August 23, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry, one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. (sighs) Cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase and gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. Pay quick. The safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your business boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your business needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today the Cannabis Focus, we want to bring you an update on that Publix story that we've been telling you about. Publix is the largest grocery chain operating in the state of Florida. They've got 43% of the market share in Florida. To give you an idea how big Publix is in Florida, the second largest grocer is Walmart, Okay, so this is a big, big company in Florida, and uh, the heiress of that company, a newly minted billionaire named Carol uh, Jenkins Bennett, is that it? Carol Jenkins Barnett, there we go, not Bennett, Uh, Carol Jenkins Barnett uh, donated $800,000 to the group that is opposing the Medical Marijuana Initiative in Florida. And we had told you how uh, groups were gathering to petition and to protest against Publix. Our own good friend Robert Platshorn and the Silver Tour put together some uh, protest signs and took them to numerous Publix locations for a boycott. Uh, I think it was last Saturday. 
uh, Florida Normal, uh, Normal of Florida, I should say, uh, involved as well. And uh, Legalize Florida, I think, is the name of the legalization group down there that was involved. Uh, this latest update comes to us from the Miami New Times, a piece written by Jerry Ianelli. More than 41,000 demand public's heiress stop fighting medical marijuana. This was filed yesterday. And it talks about how there is a petition on change.org that has gathered more than 41,000 signatures uh, calling on uh, Jenkins Barnett to stop using her profits, her income, her wealth from the public's chain to fund her political beliefs. And the petition was started by Heidi Hanford. Now, Heidi Hanford is the wife of Irv Rosenfeld, who's the Florida stockbroker who remains as one of two federal medical marijuana patients. The program that was begun back in 1978 when Robert Randall sued uh, to uh, treat his glaucoma with cannabis. Uh, program grew to as many as uh, 28 applicants, uh, 15 at one time, I think was the most there ever was. And uh, of those uh, people, there are just two remaining, uh, Irv Res Rosenfeld on the East Coast in Florida and Elvie Musica on the West Coast here in Oregon, who still receive tens of 300 pre-rolled joints from the federal government to treat their medical conditions. In Irv's case, it's a, a degenerative uh, bone tumor type of disease. So Hanford uh, wrote in her in her petition, I never thought buying groceries could be a political statement. That is until I realized the family that owns Publix donated nearly a million dollars to a platform that I strongly oppose. Now, Publix is a very popular uh, store, obviously, with 43% of the market share, and a lot of people have a lot of good things to say about Publix, but uh, this is a campaign now that is uh, growing in popularity with over 41,000 people signing up against it. Jenkins Barnett, uh, the CEO, the former CEO of Publix, who donated the $800,000, uh, has been... Uh, a great philanthropist. Uh, she's donated, uh, helped to have the company donate more than $25 million a year to various charities. Uh, also gave a quarter million dollars to help the victims of that nightclub shooting in Orlando. Uh, sadly, she's had to step down from her role on the uh, board of directors because of early onset Alzheimer's disease. So uh, there's your daily dose of irony. Someone with Alzheimer's disease donating almost a million dollars to fight medical marijuana. Now, Publix, again, claims that this has nothing to do with them. This isn't Publix being against medical marijuana. This is someone who uh, is doing it as their own personal donation. But, of course, uh, Hanford writes in her petition, quote, Publix's donation to drug-free Florida finances a campaign against medical marijuana, a therapy my spouse has successfully used for over 30 years to treat his rare bone disorder. And it's hard to separate this. Uh, Hanford writes, the money I was spending on groceries was being used to take down the Florida's right to a medical marijuana initiative. My significant other is proof that this, this drug eases suffering, and I feel betrayed by a corporation I used to patronize. And others argue that it's uh, hypocritical, as Hanford writes, 
that Publix has no problems selling drugs like opioids, alcohol, caffeine, and nicotine across their stores and pharmacies, but they use my money to dispute what numerous studies have shown marijuana is medicine. And uh, good luck on the protests. And any of our listeners in the in the South, please find someplace else to shop. Take your money away from Publix, at least until we get this amendment passed in Florida. There's no reason we should be giving them any profits. I know nothing. Nothing. All right. That sound means it's 20 after. Time for us to take a brief safety meeting. And when we return, we'll take our time in the drug war data mines where we forecast how big the marijuana industry could be by the year 2020. I'm Radical Russ, live from Portland. We're back in just a couple minutes. Next to THC and CBD, you can now add CBR to your cannabis vernacular. CBR as in CannabisRadio.com. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint the business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Hello and welcome all you high-flying, die-trying, roll a Philly blunt for your friend hempsters, every roach-smoking, bong-token, however you get your THC can enthusiasts, all you rebels, individualistic originals, and outside-the-box ganja warriors, you chunky monkey, cherry Garcia, munchy-loving hempsters, all you captive earth surfers, astral travelers, and ganja-loving canosaurs, all you high-flying, wide-smiling, ganja-rific cannabophiles, welcome to everyone except Donald Trump supporters, because that's how I really feel. The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show, providing dictionaries to drug czars since 2009. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. 
Today in the Data Mines, we get a new forecast coming from the ArcView Group and New Frontier, a couple of market research firms in the cannabis space. And the latest forecasts say that by the year 2020, legalizing recreational marijuana in California by the year 2020 could grow the California marijuana industry to $6.5 billion. $6.5 billion if Californians should pass Prop 64 this November. Also in the data mines, we have uh, news of some polling on the Adult Use of Marijuana Act, Prop 64. A couple of polls come out recently show about 64, 60 to 64% uh, support for the measure. Kevin Sabet from Project Sam and the Sam Action Group, which has actually raised a bunch of money, to try to oppose this, did some polling on their own. And, of course, in their polling, they take it beyond the uh, should marijuana be legalized question, and they start delving deep in trying to find weaknesses, the chinks in the armor, so to speak, uh, in Prop 64. And they supposedly ask people, well, if you knew legalization was going to contain advertising or if you knew legalization was going to do this, and they... Uh, supposedly say that they find a uh, decrease in support for the measure. But even amongst Sam's own polling, the de- decrease in support takes it down to 56%. <laughs> so uh, even our opponents' polls show Prop 64 has a good chance to win. Now, if the Adult Use of Marijuana Act is passed, and it looks like it shall, uh, and implemented by its uh, target dates in 2018, They say the first year of the California industry will be $1.6 billion. And then by uh, by 2020, again, up to 6.5. So we are going to see an incredible growth. For comparison's sake, sales in Colorado for its year, first year, were a little less than a billion. So California is going to be six times that market by 2020, they're saying. I think they're underestimating this stuff, but we shall see. Perhaps they're factoring in uh, the massive economy of scale that'll bring the price down so much that it's harder to uh, uh, set those lofty numbers. Of course, uh, California is one of the largest economies, not just it's the largest economy in America, but one of the largest economies in the world. If you count California as a country, it's one of the largest economies in the world. Nearly half of the uh, legal cannabis sales in America take place in California with respect to medical cannabis. And the ArcView researchers here also point out that California's size and the capital and technology available in Silicon Valley is going to add to, as they say, quote, there's going to be a professionalism of the industry, an emphasis on innovation, Once the market is legal in California, that will dramatically accelerate the industry in a way that legalization in Colorado and Washington haven't hasn't been able to do. So uh, California is going to flip the switch here, not just in America by setting in the entire West Coast as a legal zone, but south of the border in Mexico with Mexico uh, experiencing So much violence with respect to the drug trade, legalization in California should have a severe impact on that. And Mexico is starting 
along with other Latin American and South American countries, to come around on at least decriminalization and certainly on medical marijuana. We're also going to see research on uh, cannabis like we've never seen before. Uh, 10% of the sales tax from legalized marijuana is to be spent on cannabis research and another 10% on drug abuse research. So we're going to get more research on cannabis than we've ever seen before. As far as medical marijuana goes, it's at about 2.7, about two and three quarter billion dollars uh, in 2015, the most recent data available, two and three quarter billion. And they're saying by 2020, medical marijuana will be at two and a half billion. So not a big loss in the wake of legalized recreational marijuana. And it's the same effect we've seen in Colorado where the medical marijuana sales have stayed relatively steady, even as recreational sales have vastly increased. They're predicting a similar effect in California with medical sales staying virtually about two and a half billion dollars for the next five years, four or five years. We've got uh, also the situation of medical marijuana in California having recently been regulated with the Medical Cannabis uh, Act that uh, uh, Medical Cannabis Regulation and Safety Act. And there is currently a situation where people are prospecting for land out there in California uh, for the new pot grows. We've told you, or actually I interviewed uh, someone here on the show talking about the CEO from the uh, Cultivation Technologies Incorporated that was putting together a 111,500 square foot facility growing processing, testing facility in Coachella, California. And I know this is a fear for some people in the cannabis community that there's going to be this corporatization of marijuana and these big, massive industries that will evolve around it. There's this fear that they're going to take, we're giving cannabis away to the corporations. And folks, don't worry. We had a situation for 80 years where the entire weight of the local, state, and federal government said we couldn't have any cannabis whatsoever. And we managed to form an entire business plan around that. Once marijuana becomes legal, how much worse could it be than being thrown in prison? The cannabis plant and its people will always overcome. I have no doubt about that. We're up with John Getman next. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Keep your cannabis cravings under control. Feed your mind with CannabisRadio.com. While the feds and state are doing their dance, you still need to transact business and manage your cash. Go professional and let your customers pay with PayQuick. They pay you and they earn rewards points. PayQuick connects to your bank account for free and secures all of your transactions. And with PayQuick, you can pay your producers and processors for free. Plus, it pays to have it because it makes depositing your cash safe and so easy. No cops, no crooks, just compliance and comfort, knowing you have your cannabis business in check with PayQuick. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. 
Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. This is the Russ Belleville Show, annoying Kevin Sabat since 2012. Are you playing an acoustic guitar but want to be louder without an amp? Try a resonator guitar. The fingerboard extension has national resophonic and other resonators, square necks, and round necks. Stop by the fingerboard extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Go wild hog in the woods. Reforming America's marijuana prohibition laws takes education, lobbying, and voting. From Washington, D.C. to your state capitol to your city hall, marijuana law reform involves all levels of civic life. Learn how you can make your impact with elected officials as we take a look at our government at work. Welcome back, everyone. 32 after the hour. And today in our government at work, we are joined by John Getman, a former director of Normal and one of the most educated people on this topic that we could possibly talk to. Uh, John, welcome back to the show. Hi, Russ. Glad to join you. Thank you so much for being here. And the topic, of course, is this uh, rescheduling decision by the DEA, or I should say decision not to reschedule by the DEA, uh, cannabis being in Schedule 1. And for our listeners out there, the reason why it's so perfect to have John here is he's one of the uh, few people that's actually petitioned the DEA uh, on behalf of Normal and other organizations to reschedule and been rejected. So, John, were you at all surprised by this rejection? Uh, no, <laughs> I'm sorry to say that I, I wasn't surprised at all. I, I was wrapped up in this, uh, oh, for like 16 years on two different rescheduling attempts. And actually, when I uh, joined Normal, they were just wrapping up a 22-year effort to try this. And uh, I, I kind of hoped that maybe that uh, when the states of Washington and Rhode Island tried this, and also uh, one of my old colleagues um, from... from uh, New Mexico, who, who also tried this, but you know, I was, I was hoping maybe because the states had asked, maybe you know, maybe asked nicely as opposed to being a you know a, a reform activist, they'd react differently. But well, I, you know, looking over the reasoning and the logic and the fine print and the detail, uh, no, it's the same argument they've been making for years, just in you know slightly different details, slightly different versions. Um, but it's a classic round peg in, in a square hole argument, and, and really, I I thought that uh, it might was the third attempt to reschedule it was my second attempt failed that I think that sort of proved me the Controlled Substance Act wasn't really an appropriate framework for marijuana reform and, and, and this latest effort really just confirmed that. You know, I've been saying since this came out that it's like trying to fit a leaf-shaped drug through a pill-shaped hole and it, with your round peg square hole, same basic idea. So when we hear uh, Hillary Clinton as a presidential candidate promising to reschedule to schedule two once she's elected, is that a, a viable promise or is, is the, the very structure itself, doesn't matter who we elect, it's going to stay in schedule one? I think it's a sincere promise on her part. She's playing catch up 
on this issue, and it's not one that she's uh, nearly as fully briefed or, or has the expertise or advice on as she does on many other issues. Because it's one that's really just popped up recently on her political radar. Um, by the way, your your description of the uh, of, of the situation I thought was much better than mine. But maybe <laughs> <laughs> the point here. Um, you know what? One of the issues here is that you know, it, you know, it's like with marijuana arrests in general. You know, we can we, there's a lot we can criticize the cops on, but they didn't write the laws. And there's a lot here we can criticize DEA and, for that matter, um, FDA about on this. But they didn't write this law either. And, and I think really the problem here is a fundamental one with the with the statute. It was written, um, it was written for pharmaceutical drugs and. I have a lot of things to criticize the DEA about, but um, uh, I, I, I don't mean to oversimplify or trivialize their efforts. But let me just let me just appear to do that. Their job is to count pills. Their job is to count pills at a factory and on in, in display court and dis- distribution corridors and in pharmacies and make sure none have leaked out of the system. That is, oh, in the late sixties when this. Early 70s, when this uh, framework, if you say, was designed, you know, they're thinking about um, speed, about amphetamines, about pet pills, and and about um, tranquilizers and, and sedatives. I don't think tranquilizers were invented then, but the point is, they're thinking about pharmaceutical drugs and, and and how you can you can monitor them. And you know, academic uh, commentators have pointed out that that kind of regimen works when you have. Uh, when you control the technology of production, it's uh, kind of hard to control the technology of production with pot. That's what CSA doesn't doesn't really work with it. Anybody can grow it anywhere. But you know, if you're talking about uh, uh, something you need a large factory to do, it, it's kind of easy for the for the DEA to keep track of it. So you know, on that basic premise, it's not going to work. And then there's a, a second um, problem. By the way, marijuana is a little bit too complicated to be. Uh, uh, reviewed as a pharmaceutical drug. Again, it's, it, this is made for something like, like codeine. Um, but the other problem here, it's a real subtle one, and it's one that, that, that um, any president's going to run into. And actually, you know, I, I'm beginning to think Obama was pretty smart in, in saying, look, Congress has to do this. There's a classic problem in government. It's something we teach in uh, introductory courses of public administration. There is an inherent clash between the political appointees and the long-term career professional civil servants who work for the government. And in this case, um, those long-term career civil servants, they're the ones who do the extensive scientific review of any substance that is being considered for rescheduling. And then when they come up with a recommendation, the political appointees, um, they sort of have to follow that recommendation. They, they have a little wiggle room. But here's the problem. If there's this, this, uh, this is also, this is, this is magic saying, uh, about administrative actions. The courts will let the government do what it wants to do as long as what they want to do is not unreasonable, arbitrary, or capricious. And that's why they can interpret the CSA they want to, and that's why um, even even though we've had reasonable arguments to reschedule, they've had a reasonable basis 
for not rescheduling. Now, here's the problem. Unreasonable means that they have a, a rational argument. Arbitrary means they didn't make a snap decision. They actually thought about it for a while and studied it. Those things are pretty self-evident. Capricious is an, is an interesting one. It, it basically means they didn't treat one set of issues a certain way and the issue at hand another way. And here's what would happen if 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 Clinton ordered the bureaucracy to reschedule and the bureaucracy, you know, did a, a scientific review and they recommended otherwise and then Clinton's political appointees overrode that. Well, you know, they'd be rescheduling. It would be challenged by opponents of rescheduling, and they'd say that the move was capricious, that it wasn't consistent with how things have been dealt with in the past. Mm. Now, I think there's a way around all that, but I think it's just too much of an administrative mess and too much of a legal mess and too much of a time-consuming mess to really be a viable way to, 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 to do this. Basically, Congress has to deal with this, and, and the more people try to use rescheduling, you just give Congress an out an excuse not to do their job. And I think, uh, thank you so much for that perspective on that, because a lot of people bring up that the Controlled Substances Act says that, you know, upon the Attorney General's signature or the President's whim, whatever, however it's written, that they could make this change. But yeah, would it stick? That's the good point. Uh, other things that we get out of this decision, lately there's been a meme going around Facebook of people taking pictures of their palm, palm of their hand, with the <laughs> yeah, number 6630507 on it, representing the federal government's patent on cannabinoids as neuroprotectants and antioxidants, which kind of makes the government's point. It's a cannabinoid, right? Exactly. It, the, 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 the spirit here is not over the substances in marijuana, the dispute is over the plant marijuana as a delivery device for those substances. Indeed, um, GW Pharmaceuticals product Sativex is uh, actually found a nice way around all this. They came up with a consistent compound, a compound that's always the same. Everybody uses it is taking the same compound. You can test that. You can run trials on it. They've gotten approved in uh, European countries and Canada. They're going through FDA uh, through trials to meet FDA requirements here. Um, it's a it's a, a spray under the tongue um, that'll get approved. Marinol, THC pill, that's already been approved, and there'll be other cannabinoid substances that pharmaceutical companies can manufacture if they're just that pharmaceuticals um that'll all work but yeah that 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 patent is not you know the government actually doesn't dispute the fact that the cannabinoids have some value the science there is kind of irrefutable um there are problems with the delivery device and if you go into the very long document the um dea published in the federal register um, they say, look, you know, there's actually only been about 20 studies, um, or maybe it was 11, but a handful of studies. And they say, you yeah, know, these are good studies, but they don't use the same compounds. There's no consistent um, results uh, about, you know, dose and response and safety. And they say that really these are proof-of-concept studies that, you know, help us or help science move on to more sophisticated studies. And frankly, just just admitting that these are indeed proof of concept, um, you know, I, I, I think it kind of uh, under-recognizes the value of these studies, and I, I also think that there's a, a lot out of whack here with the way they've chosen to interpret science. But the fact that they've acknowledged that these studies are, are valid and they actually prove something is a, a step forward for them. 
Another thing we got out of the uh, decision and the uh, press conferences and press releases that came after it was a statement from uh, Chuck Rosenberg, the head of the DEA, talking about how marijuana's classification in Schedule 1 doesn't mean that it's as dangerous as heroin or acid or PCP. It just means that it's a Schedule 1 drug. We've got about a minute and a half, John. Uh, any thoughts on that uh, pronouncement? I wanted to make a legal argument that um, you have to prove that 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 addiction issue, that abuse potential issue, that the the statute has an the word and in it, meaning it's a conjunctive statute, which is a big legal issue. Um, what they're saying is that because of the treaties the U.S. has signed, the single convention treaty, uh, marijuana could only be in Schedule One or Two, and therefore the addiction issue, the abuse potential issue, is irrelevant. And so that's that's just a secondary issue. Um, I think they're misinterpreting. The uh, federal court decision in the 1970s, uh, part of Normal's original litigation, uh, I believe a correct interpretation of what the appeals court says was, you guys, did, is, I think it, the court really said this, you guys look at all the science, find out what the science says, and if the treaty has to be changed, then go change the treaty. Um, the DEA is interpreting it differently, but his point is that, because of the way they interpret the treaty and because of what the appeals court said in the 1970s, um, it, the, the abuse potential thing is irrelevant. It, it's really all about accepted medical use. All right. John Getman, uh, doing such great work here, researching, petitioning, all this uh, work you've been doing. Uh, just in the last couple seconds we got here, uh, tell people how they might contact you and, and find out more about your latest work. Well, uh, I have a website, drugscience.org, but I haven't updated it for several years, and I'll be kind of shifting it to a new site in the near future, but there's a, there's an email address on there. Uh, I'm doing some work on uh, 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 racial disparities and other demogra- demographic aspects of marijuana arrests. I'll have a big report about that coming out uh, this fall before the election, and uh, another report coming out later this year on uh, racial disparities in all drug arrests. All right, John Getman, thank you so much for joining us here and offering your expertise on a very complex issue. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Anytime. Glad to see you. Talk to you. All right, stay tuned, folks. Coming up next, we've got Derek Davis, the CEO of California Cannabis CPA on marijuana and finance. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. From dabs to chivas, sativas to indicas, we roll out a whole concentrate of fresh new content every week. It's like going from the greenhouse to the dispensary. CannabisRadio.com Dr. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's orders. Less heat, (laughs) more flavor. 
growing green to generate more green. Hello to all you happy herbalizers, smiling trippy hippies, and everyone who believes in freedom and tolerance. This is The Grow Show, and I'm Kyle Cushman. From food to fuel, from remedy to resource. Welcome my guest, Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja. Let me ask you, right now I hear your lighter clicking. Are you smoking indoor, or are you smoking sun-grown? What am I smoking? I'm smoking concentrate. <laughs> Way to get out of the answer there. So you're truly like the, the, the king, right? You just have you just clap your hands and somebody brings you a bowl and you're all set, right? Mm, I wish that were the case. <laughs> <laughs> the Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Supreme Court is wrong on the Second Amendment. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Don't want to spend money on a night out, but don't know what to do other than watching TV or playing video games? Consider playing guitar, bass, banjo, or mandolin. The instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today, or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Wayne once said that when there's a gold rush, it's a good time to be in the pick and shovel business. Today, we look at the rapidly evolving markets in the marijuana green rush in our Canna Business Chronicles. Welcome back, everyone. 48 after the hour and joining us today in our Canna Business Chronicles, we've got Derek Davis, the CEO of California Cannabis CPA. Derek, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me today. Yeah, Great gl- to be here. Yeah, glad to have you here because there's so much going on with uh, Prop 64 on the ballot in California for legalization. And we've got these new medical marijuana regulations in California that people are already having to deal with. Uh, give us your perspective on what's going on in California right now and what's most important for these uh, can of businesses uh, to uh, pay attention to. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, with regards to the uh, fall legalization ballot, um, it appears, based on polls, that it will probably more likely than not pass. Um, I've seen polls around 58 to 60 percent uh, approval rating, and generally speaking, the margin of error is around 3 percent. Um, so even if you take the bottom number, which is 58 percent, and you subtract out 3, uh, it looks like it's going to pass. Um, specifically with regards to taxes and finances, even though it, it may be legalized, um, one thing to make note of is in terms of the 280E tax code, um, the only real differentiator is if um, the U.S. government uh, changes it from a Schedule 1 to a Schedule 3. So uh, irrespective of legalization in California, um, at least at a federal level, uh, businesses, cannabis businesses or any any business that touches the medical marijuana plant or the recreational marijuana plant um, will still have to uh, uh, have uh, certain tax limitations that, that are imposed upon them. So with uh, California Cannabis CPA, how do you help your clients deal with that uh, 280E situation by, I don't know, maybe uh, shifting some of uh, some of what they're paying for to uh, other services, perhaps? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, 
with specific regards to taxes, the the two most important tax court rulings is the Champs and the Vapor Room. Um, what the Champ tax court ruling pretty much established is that you can have multiple lines or multiple services that you offer to your patients. Um, and that's how you can allocate uh, some of your overhead costs, such as marketing, sales, um, administrative type uh, expenses. Uh, the the other tax court ruling is the vapor ru- ruling, which um, unfortunately there was a dispenser up in Northern California that was allocating or over allocating their expenses, um, and as a result of that, the tax courts pretty much disallowed all their all the expenses. Um, so what we really help our clients with is um, proper tax planning and tax tax compliance. So. You know, it's really important from an entity structure perspective to isolate the business line that's directly touching the cannabis plant. Um, you know, uh, I, I think that's what generally poses the, the, the largest liability, both from an expense perspective as well as um, a reporting perspective. So it's, it's really important to have, you know, separate business lines um, with with regards to uh, who's touching the plant and, and, and what service lines are not touching the plant. Now, uh, there's all this that these uh, proprietors have to deal with on the federal level, and then you got to deal with state taxes. I I recently reported on something happening at the California Board of Equalization that might be some relief to some of these businesses having to do with paying their taxes in cash. Can you give us an update on that? Yeah, so that's been a big kind of ruling. So, uh, you know, historically what happened is is if you owed over $10,000 in taxes, um, and you pay that within cash, you were being penalized. Um, and, and, you know, I'm sure as you're aware, one of the biggest hurdles that's facing the uh, cannabis industry right now is getting proper banking. Uh, I believe I've read a stat that around 70% of um, cannabis businesses are, are operating still on a cash basis. So uh, what, the, what the recent ruling pretty much said is, you know, they'll, they'll try to ease up or eliminate any of the penalties uh, if you pay your taxes uh, in cash. That's great news for a, a lot of these uh, people working in these industries. Uh, still sad, though, that they're having to take uh, shopping bags full of cash in uh, to pay <laughs> their taxes. Is there anything California can do on the state level to help that out? You know, honestly, I it's it's really hard to say. I, I, I think what kind of it comes down to is, you know, FDA or excuse me, the um, the federal depository uh, insurance line, and, and and I think what that kind of ties into is the fact that because it's still Schedule One drug, you know, I, I think that's really what's um, slowing everything down. I, I think you know the biggest impediments to that are uh, the 280 tax code as well as proper research um, and medicinal and therapeutic properties of the cannabis plant. Um, so it's really hard to say right now. Um, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how, you know, um, how the initiative does this, this November, as well as, you know, what rules and regulations are, are put in the place thereafter. Mm, good point. Uh, now with so many of these businesses having to work with so much cash, does that put an extra burden on you as a CPA, your, your company, your people working as CPAs? To have to, you know, uh, double verify or to avoid, you know, any sort of money laundering or issues like that. Yeah, yeah, um, I think that's a really good point, and it definitely makes um, it, it makes our job a lot more difficult. 
because you know sometimes, especially if 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 the individual or the clients looking at have some sort of um, financial statements prepared, um, you know any sort of reviews, audits, compilations. Um, why that's difficult is because then we have to physically count the cash as well. Whereas historically, you know, if this was any other business line, we could look at um, cash bank balances and cash statement balances, you know, to verify cash at hand. So, you know, operating in, in a strict cash business, it, it, it just makes specifically for um, accounting and, um, you know, financial statement preparation just makes it a lot more harder. Yeah, uh, undoubtedly so. And and we're we're hoping for some federal relief on this. There are bills in Congress uh, that are looking to add some sort of banking relief, some sort of financial services relief, tax relief. Uh, do you know uh, how your uh, California senators and representatives stand on these and and what success you might think we'd get out of this or the next administration? Yeah, so I, I, I specifically know in California, you know, the the Democratic Party recently endorsed um, the legalization proposal, which is really, really big news for us, and, and we're really excited about that. Um, in terms of banking, what we're starting to see is, um, you know, more credit unions in, in Colorado and as well as Washington and in, in the recreational states um, starting to endorse, uh, publicly endorse, um, you know, cannabis-related companies. But... Um, you know, it's it's really hard to say, and, and and you know, it's I don't know with regards to banking in particular. I don't know what types of rules or regulations will really kind of tip the edge where um, banks will start opening up, you know, business lines to cannabis-related companies. Yeah, it's it's so difficult, you know, especially after California legalizes here in 2016, and we start opening up what ArcView is going to say is going to be in the first year alone a 1.6 billion dollar recreational market, growing to 6.5 billion by 2020. Uh, is doesn't there have to be a point at which this can't wait any longer? <laughs> yeah, and you know it's it's so funny that you say that because California was the first uh, medical marijuana state in 1996 but you know we totally dropped the ball in 2010 um i i didn't you know um I, i'm sure you knew that it was on the ballot for full legalization it didn't mm -hmm. it didn't it didn't even come close to passing i think the approval was maybe 46 percent 47 percent um but i really am hopeful uh that california is really kind of the, the industry leader simply because we're such a large state you know i i think i've i've seen st recent stats that have said that, you know, California as a standalone state is maybe the sixth or eighth largest economy in the world. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm really hopeful that, you know, we can start passing some, um, you know, beneficial regulations and rules and compliance for the cannabis industry, which will then trickle down throughout the, the remainder of the, the states. Derek Davis is the CEO of California Cannabis CPA. And Derek, before we let you go here at the bottom of the hour, uh, let's tell folks how they can get in touch with your company and, and learn more about cannabis and finance. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, if, if you'd like to chat, please check us out. Our website is CaliforniaCannabisCPA.com. Uh, you could book us on our site, and I, I'd be happy to set up uh, some time thereafter to chat with you. 
Fantastic. Uh, Derek Davis, CaliforniaCannabisCPA.com. Check them out and make sure. Uh, and this would be you know, a good thing even for people who aren't yet in the industry but looking to get into the industry. Uh, a stitch in time saves nine. Uh, get the expert consultation you need to make sure that uh, you do this the right way from the beginning. Derek, thanks so much for joining us today and uh, offering us your expertise. Yeah, thank you as well. And uh, if there's any other tax, finance, or other related questions I can help answer, you know, always feel free to let me know. Will do. That's all the time we got for Hour 1 today, folks. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. And uh, coming up in Hour 2, we got more of our highlights from our trip to Seattle Hemp Fest last weekend. The third of my three speeches, uh, my speech at the uh, Kevin Black stage, followed by another uh Example of myself uh, singing with Chief Greenbud on the main stage. After our 20 after break, we'll give you some more music. My favorite band of Seattle Hemp Fest performing one of my favorite songs from the year of my birth. Then we'll wind things up with Martin Lee from Project CBD talking about cannabinoids other than CBD and Allison Drayson from Edelouz in Washington. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Or you can tow. I am here. Uh, or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Portland, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and and the, the next thing you know, they got ten years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back, Tokers and Tokettes, and you non-Token lovers of liberty. Time for Toker Talk Radio. I'm Radical Russ, coming to you live from beautiful legal potland, Oregon. 
on the banks of the Willamette River, 26th floor of the Ardea Condominium Complex. Yeah, I hope you're having a good day today. I hope everyone out there is having a good day today. I hope, I hope people that have a birthday today are having a good day today as well. Happy birthday. So, um, yeah, we've got uh, some Seattle Hemp Fest highlights coming to you here in this hour. My third speech of the Seattle Hemp Fest, one you haven't heard yesterday, or didn't hear yesterday, uh, from the Kevin Black Memorial stage. We'll get that on for you. Plus, uh, I'm sitting in with Chief Greenbud on the main stage with I Just Want to Get High. And then for our 20 after break, we'll hear the Groovin Higher Orchestra. Oh, man, I love this band. 14-piece band. Full horn section. Kicking some old-school jams. Uh, we've got an old, old-school jam from, well, you know it's old because it's the year I was born, 1968. So I'm just going to leave it at that. We'll put this out in the chat room. Y'all can uh, uh, ruminate on this. What song from 1968 being would be played by a big band with a horn section that plays rock music? Think of 1968 tunes with, with big horn sections. Let's see who in the chat room can uh, figure that one out. Also, we've got some great interviews that I did at the Seattle Hemp Fest. Uh, we've got, uh, Martin Lee from project CBD and, uh, he's, he joined us to talk a little bit about other cannabinoids. You know, we talk so much about, uh, the, the CBD of course is gotten very popular and then THC of course, obviously, but there's a whole bunch of other cannabinoids in there. CBN, CBC, CBGB. No, wait, that was a punk club. Um, but there are a lot of other cannabinoids in there, and Martin Lee's one of the guys who knows a whole lot about them, so we're going to hear from him at half past. And then to close out the hour, we got an interview with Allison Drayson, CEO of Etaluz. They're an edible products company in Washington State. We talked to her about uh, what's going on in Washington. It was a great time at the Seattle Hemp Fest, let me tell you. And uh, for those of you who just joined us or joined us a little later, uh, we broke news earlier uh, at the beginning of the show about a decision out of the Tenth Circuit, Tenth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals, that decided that uh, you could not pull over someone with a Colorado license plate in Kansas just because they have a Colorado license plate. So that's a good decision for people driving out of Colorado. Now, it's one of those situations, though, where you have to go, yeah, so all this really means is it teaches the cops to come up with a better reason. Right. When they see the Colorado license plate, now they have to actually lie about the improper lane change or the drifting in the lane or the the one little license plate light in the back that's too dim or the window tint that's too dark or whatever the excuse is that they make to pull you over. There's always a good excuse, right? But we're we're making progress. We're getting more and more of these courts to come up with sensible decisions. We're getting more and more people to understand jury nullification so that in some jurisdictions, they can't even seat a jury for a simple possession case. In some jurisdictions, prosecutors are telling the police, don't even bother to bring me any cases that have to do with simple possession because I can't, I can't get a jury. 
If you don't know about jury nullification, please look it up. F-I-J-A dot org will tell you everything you need to know. We're back with my speech at the Black Stage right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Legal to listen to all over the world. We're just not sure about France. CannabisRadio.com. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers, from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. Tommy Chong Show on Cannabis Radio. You know, about this podcast, what I really want to do from now on is to solve world problems. I feel like my job is to calm everybody down and focus on how... We can save this planet. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. I just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in here? You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we got more of those highlights from the Seattle Hemp Fest. Took place last weekend, Silver Anniversary. And if you want to go sometime in the future, you better make a donation. Seattle Hemp Fest needs you. Visit hempfest.org or gofundme.com slash keep hempfest alive. I've been fortunate to speak at HempFest for the past 10 years. I had three speaking slots this year. We played two of my speeches yesterday. Today, my final speech from the Black Stage at Seattle HempFest. Enjoy. Uh, this is Russ Belleville. I know him really well. You think I could just rattle this off, but no, no, no. Russ Belleville's been doing this for a long time. Um, just... A fun fact, Russ Belleville and I are both wearing our Boise, Idaho Hemp Fest shirts from just six days ago. Uh, I introduced him at Boise because Russ is magically from Boise. He doesn't live there now, but that's where he's from, and he wanted to go back 
and try to legalize medical marijuana in the one state in this area that doesn't have any medical protection. But he is mostly known as the executive director of 420radio.org, the host of the Russ Belleville show on cannabisradio.com, a live weekday talk show, radio show, that's been called the NPR of P.O.T. That's, that's bot. And you can also catch his twice-weekly Radical Rant column in hightimes.com. Please welcome Radical Russ Belleville. Thank you, Steve Fun. Give it up for Steve. Welcome to the, where are we, Kevin Black Memorial Stage. I'm Radical Russ Belleville. Like I said, I'm on CannabisRadio.com. I do a live daily talk radio show for the cannabis community. So whenever there's news, there's uh, studies, there's polls, I'm covering all that. It's just like the news, except it's about something you care about. So check that out on CannabisRadio.com. I also write for High Times. You can catch me in High Times Magazine from time to time. Hightimes.com twice a week. The column's called Radical Rant, where I go off on whatever it is that made me mad this week. And here's something that made me mad. I went back to Boise, uh, the Boise Hemp Fest. I wore the Boise Hemp Fest t-shirt because I'm originally from Boise, Idaho. Go Big Blue. I was the last Buster Bronco on green turf in Boise, Idaho. That's how old I am. And I went back there because as much progress as we're making, there's still a lot of places that have yet to make this progress. And we need to remember, as good as we may have it, others out there are still struggling. Thinking back, this is the 25th anniversary of HempFest. When this HempFest first started, there were zero legal states, zero medical states, zero decrim states. You just got busted if you had weed. I started coming to HempFest in 2004. At that time, there were eight medical states, zero legal states, and about, about 12, 11, 13 decrim states. Now... 25 states that recognize some medical use of cannabis, four that have legalization, 21 that have decriminalization, 21 that have industrial hemp, 16 that have CBD-only laws. In fact, there are only seven states left where there is absolute marijuana prohibition. Where it isn't legal for anybody, we don't care if you're a patient, we don't care if you're a kid, we don't care if it's CBD, we don't care what, it's absolutely illegal in just seven states. And those states are West Virginia, Arkansas, North Dakota, South Dakota, Kansas, Nebraska, Indiana, and there's an eighth one, and that's Idaho. And Idaho's completely surrounded. There's, there's legal in Washington and Oregon. They're going to legalize it in Nevada. They've got CBD in Utah and Wyoming. They've got medical in Montana. And then above them in Canada, they're going to have legalized, and they've already got medical. Idaho's completely surrounded. But there's a lot of states out there like that, and they're fewer and fewer as time goes on because this election season, we got North Dakota on the ballot for medical marijuana. North Dakota. Unbelievable. And we've got Florida on the ballot for medical. And the polls are looking real good there. We got Arkansas on the ballot. And here's some breaking news for you about Arkansas. They have one medical marijuana on the ballot. They've got two. They're going to have two different medical marijuanas to choose from. Hey, which one do you like better? This is a, uh, in Arkansas of all places. Montana is voting on medical marijuana. They're voting to fix their medical a lot of people don't know, but Montana passed medical in 2004, but in 2011, their legislature repealed medical marijuana. The governor vetoed that, and that saved medical, so they came back and they said, all right, we're just going to gut it. 
We're going to say you can't have dispensaries. If you're a caregiver, you can only care for three people. If you're a doctor and you recommend for more than 25 patients, we're going to have the medical board look up your records. There's little kids, so I didn't want to say. <laughs> we have the medical board look up your records and audit you and get you all intimidated. Now, there's been a lot of court battles over that in Montana, but the, the long story short of it is we lost those battles, and at the end of this month, August 31st, those restrictions go into effect in Montana. No more dispensaries. Caregivers caring for 20, 30 patients have to pick two or three. That's all they get, two or three now. And, and for the doctors now that want to recommend, they got to worry about losing their license if they talk to more than 25 cancer patients, 25 AIDS patients, whoever it is, pain patients. So there's battles going on all over the country. And don't think that the legalizations are slam dunks either. Now, the latest polls in California are 64%. California's looking pretty slammed up. Latest polls in Arizona are 43 versus 49. We're behind. More people want to vote against it in Arizona. Nevada, the polls are 50%. They're right on the edge. Massachusetts, the polls are at 43. Looking like it's not going to pass there. Maine's looking pretty good at 58%. So none of these are slam dunks. we got to keep going, and we got to keep fighting. So no matter what you got here, understand there's also problems happening all over the country. And you can do something about it by getting involved. You can contribute to national organizations. There's plenty of them. They're all over HempFest to talk to. You can also give to HempFest itself. How many people are here ever donated in the HempFest bucket? Yeah, that's good. That's good to hear because what happens is they estimate for how many people they get in here. They only get like less than a dollar per person. It's like pennies, you know, cents that they get per person. Man, it ought to be five, ten bucks a person, really. How, where are you going to find so many great bands and so many great vendors and smoke weed out here on the, on the grass? So on your way out, two things. Pick up a piece of garbage and donate in the bins. And get involved, hempfest.org, normal.org, SSDP, Students for Sensible Drug Policy, Women Grow, there's the Women Grow that's happening all over. There's all sorts of patient groups you can get involved in. The number one thing is showing up because the first three letters of activism are ACT, A-C-T. You gotta do something about it. And you can make a difference, we already have. We've already changed our laws, some good, some bad, but we've made changes and we're moving forward. I'm Radical Russ from CannabisRadio.com. You can also check me out on HighTimes.com. Radical Rant column. Thanks for letting me educate just a little bit. And have yourselves a wonderful Silver Anniversary Hep Fest. Smoke a lot of pain for me. She doesn't realize. 
just want to get high. I've got a question and I need to know. It may sound kind of funny, but here I go. How did I end up with a girl that doesn't like to get paid? It's like putting dill pickles on your birthday cake. I guess it's time for me to make a choice. Do I quit smoking weed? Just put up with her noise. A little bit of bitching beats being alone. And I can handle anything as long as I'm stoned. Cause I just want to get high. What I really want I just want to get high I like to smoke a lot of candlelight She doesn't realize She really don't know That I just want to get high I just want to get high I just want to get high I need to get high. I just want to get high. I just want to get high. You guys just want to get high? Hell yeah! We're on a mission from God. That's right. It's 4.20 here in the Pacific Time Zone. Time for us to take our union-mandated safety briefing. And when we come back, we will play the coolest rock song with horns from 1968. Nice guess with Chicago's 25 or 64, but that was from 1970. And it means 3.35 or 3.36 in the morning.
Radio.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. The Vuber way. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Adrian, I, I ain't finished it. <laughs> okay, maybe you're high, too. Normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. 25 after the hour, and we continue our look back at the 25th anniversary Seattle Hemp Fest that took place just this last weekend in Seattle, Washington. I got to hang out backstage most of the time and just visit with all the experts and activists and industry leaders as they made their way through. Friend of the show, Martin A. Lee was available backstage he's with project cbd and interviews and covers the the science of cannabinoids like no other welcome back tokers and toquettes and non-toking lovers of liberty radical russ here backstage at the seattle hemp fest the main stage area and we're joined 
by one of the leading experts out there on cannabinoids, CBDs, and more. Martin Lee is with us. Hello, Martin. Gosh, I think that you overstate about the experts. There are experts out there. We try to report about them. Yes, we, we are yes. Doing that thing, there is amazing science, amazing therapeutics happening. It's an amazing experiment embodied by Spirit of the Hemp Fest. It's been so important to the community. And I think one uh, key aspect of cannabis as a healing plant is it's, it's a community-building botanical. Yes, it, absolutely. It, it, and that's a very important aspect of its healing uh, properties that I think are kind of either overlooked, not, not discussed, taken for granted. Yeah. But Hemp Fest brings it out for me. You don't see Lavender Fest. Although nothing against any of the other plants. We're not going to be chauvinistic about any plants. <laughs> Plant chauvinist. We yeah. can't be that way, no. Uh, so there's been so many developments as of late with respect to uh, the, the scheduling of cannabis itself, the DEA denying the rescheduling. And uh, what do you, what's your take on that? What do you think? You know, and it never ceases to amaze how the... Uh, the, the federal government can choose to act in such a self-embarrassing way. I mean, yeah. what a, what a, just a, a pitiful, embarrassing display of, of public policy and ethics or anything. I mean, just it's, if they would keep doing this, on the one hand, it's not going on for so long anyway, so it's not like anything changed the next right. day after they didn't. Um, uh, it seems that, you know, they're looking at this whole phenomenon. This is an amazing phenomenon, this pro-cannabis cultural shift that we're... we're we're still not seeing the peak of yet. Yeah. Uh, and the federal government is dealing with this, too, trying to figure out. It seems to me from what they're doing is, you know, tax and regulate rec and keep uh, medical for the big pharma and the FDA. I, that would be the impulse. That would be that yeah. kind of, the, 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 you know. Uh, so and it seems what the recent uh, decisions, including the decision to allegedly let up a little bit in terms of the number of places that can grow cannabis and it could be a source for research. It seems that sort of everything to enable big pharma, that's what FDA does. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Not surprising. You know, you could see it coming from a mile away, you know, and, and so the question is how are we going to respond as a community because there's been a lot of really interesting and important uh, therapeutic uh, Research, experimentation, and success—that that—that's uh, real, and uh, that deserves to continue. This has been the uh, fourth straight petition that has tried to do some sort of rescheduling. Every time there's a petition, it takes five, six, nine years before the government responds to it. We get the same response every time. Hillary Clinton's promising. She says, "Well, I'll get in. It'll be scheduled too." Really? Is there anything that changes? depending on administrations, or is it just the system itself isn't designed for plants? I think, it, it, all, you know, all of the above. I yeah. think it's complicated. I think it just, they, I think they're, they don't, the powers that be to the extent they, that they try to implement policy to, to, to harness these movements in the direction they want. This is a massive social movement we're talking about. This is not something typically that the... Um, federal government has to deal with. This is an unusual phenomenon. It has its root in the 1960s. It's more mm-hmm. complex than that, but for sure. And this has succeeded as a huge social phenomenon, the, the medical marijuana slash just good old marijuana. It's amazing when you think about it. How much of the cannabis culture uh, would you attribute to the, the fact we had to be clandestine, had to be outlaw, versus how much of it is you know, inherent in the plant and the way it brings people together. And the corollary of that would be, 
as we legalize, does part of the cannabis culture disappear? It's it's very paradoxical and complex, and it's everything about this plant, at least the way it expresses itself in history, it has been seems to be like that. It, it's uh, you know whatever you expect. The opposite is very possible. Whether you're drug warriors thinking you're pouring money into researching how marijuana harms the brain, as the Reagan administration did, pouring millions of dollars into that, and lo and behold, what you end up doing is fostering the discovery of the endocannabinoid system, which explains why marijuana protects the brain. Yeah. You know, which really provides the scientific underpinning for that. You know, and then here we push so strong to legalize thinking that's the next step beyond medical and it, it would enhance access even more for patients and everybody, however you want to talk about it. And then look what happens in Washington, boomerangs in everybody's face. Seems whatever, what any part of the, you know, whatever your angle is toward cannabis, got to be careful because it, it it's, it's like a trickster. It's a, it's a, it, it'll play tricks on you. And I think uh, impossible to predict, but I think there's certain realities in the society that you can't ignore. And that what, what was the whole Bernie thing all about? People yeah. recognize this something very unfair, the way you know, the money's portioned out. It's obviously a big issue now. We're going into possible legalization for adult use in California, and that that's not a game changer. It's almost like a game ender, maybe. I, but but it's, 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 that's huge one way or another. Uh, big money coming in is going to mean big changes. There's no question about that. Again, you could see it a mile. You could telegraph. It's not like, gee. No surprise. It, it, so, well, what are we doing? I mean, I'm not trying to, like, uh, suggest, you know, I know something or, or I'm doing something somebody else should be doing or isn't doing. But, but I'm just saying, like, as a community, you know, we're hearing all along, like in Washington, they were saying they will not tolerate two coexisting distribution systems. Two para- okay, they kept saying that. Was anybody paying attention? I mean, I think we were hearing, but it just nonetheless, look what played out recently in Washington yeah. State. And, you know, which still, it's a doozy. And coming here, you know, in the middle of uh, a great hemp fence, a great weekend, uh, but yet everything's hanging in the balance in terms of so many changes right now that are pending for the cannabis community or at least we used to call it that, now industry or whatever. The yeah. whole thing is, like, you know, what a, what a wave that's building. And no doubt. Sometimes I, I, I think about, like, what happened in Germany when the Berlin Wall came down. And you had the, the folks that I would draw a parallel to, the, the Hempfest organizers. The, in East Berlin, in East Germany, there were anarchists and punks and ecologists and kind of cool Protestant pastors and bicyclists. And, you know, they had a, 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 a strong oppositional community, political and counterculture. And that was the seed of the changes that happened there. And yet when the Berlin Wall came down, which is not necessarily what they were aiming for, they were aiming for a just society, whatever form we take, but like a tidal wave, it just completely overwhelmed that movement. Uh, and and with a unified Germany and uh, it's uh, and I look at this situation. I think is this like this? Is it, yeah. Yeah, and here you know it's like frozen in a moment. You just see it coming. <laughs> but what can you do? It's it's a uh, what a time. We are definitely witnesses to history uh, unfolding in front of us. We're speaking with Martin Lee, and let's talk about what we've learned uh, recently because. People now, at least the listeners to my show, are educated on THC and CBD. They were pretty clear on those. Tell us some of the things that are happening with other cannabinoids as far as discovering what they're for, how they can be used, and so forth. Well, the, the, you know, the scientists have identified 
various cannabinoids with THCV and THCA and CBG and CBC, and you can you can it's a whole alphabet soup of of, of amazing mo- molecules. Generally, they only uh, exist in the plant in very very small quantities. Most often, there's a few anomalies, yeah, but. Uh, and one can go and look at these specifically, something like a THCV, tetrahydrocannabivirin, it's called. It has a certain uh, adjunct to the molecular structure, uh, or a little chain. Uh, but it does something very interesting. It's one of the, uh, there's, there's actually only four cannabinoids of the hundred that's been discovered that bind directly to cannabinoid receptors in the brain and body. THC does. Uh, CBN, a breakdown product, does. Um, and it turns out uh, THCV does also. Generally, generally only found in very small quantities, except a few African strains. We have a few now in California that are growing out. Uh, Black Beauty is one of them. But, um, in a certain area, active. And what, the, what this THCV does, it binds to the CB1 receptor in the brain, the, the cannabinoid receptors that mediate psychoactivity. It binds to it, but it blocks it. Hmm. THC binds to it and activates it. You know. But at the same time, THCV also hits this other cannabinoid receptor. There's two system, cannabinoid receptor systems in the body that have been identified clearly, CB1, CB2, CB1 in the brain, mainly CB2 in the periphery. Well, THCV and THC both bind to this CB2 receptor in the periphery, which is mean it, tremendous therapeutic implications for any kind of inflammatory autoimmune condition, all kinds of metabolic disorders. Okay. Really important when you can uh, modulate that receptor. And both THC and THCV turn it on. Hmm. They both do. And in some conditions, particularly conditions that express excess, there, I mean, a lot of conditions ex- are expressions of what you might call cannabinoid deficiency. Uh, Dr. Ethan Russo has talked about clinical endocannabinoid deficiency, low levels of these marijuana-like molecules in the brain that occur naturally. If you have low levels of them, it's associated with uh, pre- uh, predilection to PTSD, to clinical depression, to all kinds of conditions so rooted in this deficiency. Hence, if you smoke some weed, it boosts the signaling of these receptors, yeah. and it, it's, it's curative. Um, but what's interesting, there are certain diseases that are express excess in, in endocannabinoid functioning, hmm. uh, obesity, uh, diabetes, uh, certain heart conditions, liver conditions. Okay. And in those situations, you don't want to activate the CB1 receptor too much. If anything, you want to calm it down. Uh, but you do want the CB2 receptor activated in the because it, it, and so THCV is ideal for that, wow. particularly when combined with CBD, which also has similar effects, but through different molecular channels. So that's like a hugely exciting. That could be a killer app for. Wow. You know. Oh. So, so THC is a brain THC, and THCV is a body THC. No, is THCV that? also goes to the brain, okay. but it attaches it, it. What it does in the brain, it acts differently than THC okay. does, but it, it, it modulates the block. same same pathways, but in different ways. Okay. Um, and, and but in the periphery, they do the same thing. Okay. So. Again, it's a combination of what you asked one example of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there's dozens of things like that. You can get very arcane and very specific. I, I personally find it really interesting as a non-scientist to learn about this. It's been really a, a kind of an adventure, I have to say. Um, but, um, you know, what the, where it's really at is with patients using these things. It's, uh, 
doctors slowly getting onto it, and there's a, a lack of doctors really in this area. That's been a big, big problem, and at least in California, where Project CBD is based, that we see. Uh, but, but people are using these medicines, sometimes with great success, and, and we're learning about you. Sometimes now we're beginning to see patterns, and it's a very exciting, and I would hate to see that truncated in any way. That's a great laboratory experiment in democracy. That's how we think of the medical marijuana experiment. CBD has been a very important part of that. Yes. It's not the whole ball game by any means, but it's, a, but certainly it kind of italicizes the therapeutic aspect of the plant in a way. Um, so, you know, we're right in the thick of it in that regard. And, uh, it's, it's so Project CBD time. is branching out to include these other cannabinoids then? It's, you know, we always had. The projects, it, it's even broader than I, okay. but it, it, we emphasize CBD because at the time, no one really knew about it in sure. the medical cannabis community. And it was a way of saying, hey, THC is not the only game in town. And we thought politically that was actually an important message and an empowering message. Yeah. Uh, and it has been. You know, in fact, but again, like you say, things don't always work out the way you think. Sure. I would never have predicted CBD-only states and all this. Yeah, oh God. yeah. That's, you know, that's not what there. we were thinking. You know, but okay, that's the plant, the trickster again. Yeah, that, I did want to get to that subject <laughs> of the, of the CBD-only states. And do you see more of those happening? Or are they going to get the hint or get the message that, you know, some THC is necessary in these cases? I think that's, uh, that's pretty... Uh, Understood uh, within the community that THC or THCA yeah. really, really important addition to the mix there. Um, yeah, I, 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 but it's 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 chaos out there. Every state has its own uh, level for what's permitted. In North Carolina, 0.9 percent THC. Federally, it's 0.3. In Texas, it used to be 0.5, but they got jealous and they want to make it one point. You know, they'd be the biggest. I don't know. <laughs> and every state is different. It's sort of like that. It's complete. And they, and in every situation where it's CBD only, it's really you don't have a functional distribution system or anything. But it does make people, uh, and sometimes explicitly, it, it, um, it's protective of, of uh, families that if they want to try to get some of this hemp oil online or whatever, that they can at least do so without feeling they're breaking the law. In some states, recognizing that they can't supply it, even though they've made a law, yeah. they allow uh, citizens of their state to get it from another state. So. so many complexities. Like you say, it's somewhat of a trickster plant. Martin Lee and Project CBD is a .org, isn't it? Yeah. ProjectCBD.org. You can learn a lot there, so check them out. Anything else we need to tell them, uh, uh, books or appearances that you'll have or other contact? Um, bu- you know, busy time, but definitely plug into the Project CBD website. Um, if you're in Northern California, come visit us at Emerald Farms. That's a really special, unique dispensary. In Hopland, it's the southernmost town in the Emerald Triangle in Mendocino County. And it's a green technology wonderland. Uh, it's a permaculture learning center. It's a wall solar-powered green buildings and wonderful, uh, not, not, not CBD only, but certainly strong CBD uh, inclusion in a dispensary and just a beautiful spot. Uh, Russ, if you've ever by there, come on and I'll make my hang on the deck. Hang out on the deck, overlooking the ponds. <laughs> I would love to, Martin Lee. Thank you so much for talking to us, and uh, have yourself a great hemp fest. Thank you. You too. Great speaking with Martin Lee backstage of the main stage of Seattle Hemp Fest. We've got plenty more from Seattle Hemp Fest coming up for the rest of the week, but if you can't wait. 
You can get it now on demand through my SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash Radical Russ. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, another interview from Seattle Hemp Fest. It's Allison Drayson, the CEO of Edaloo's in Washington State. A little bit about being a marijuana-infused product maker in Washington when we were there. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. You know, during Dance with the Stars, I started feeling discomfort. Yeah. And not only that, I was doing these old mountain smells. And it was kind of embarrassing because, you know, the, all the Dancing with the Stars crew, cast and crew, you know, they were all young kids. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden, this old guy would come along and do one of those silent farts, you know, that you don't know you're doing it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you smell, and everybody go, what the hell smells? And, you know, and you knew it was me. And, and so I'd scurry off to the bathroom, you know. And that's when I knew that there was something wrong. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on. CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. Get the latest updates on the Russ Belleville Show by following Radical Russ on Twitter and liking the Russ Belleville Show on Facebook. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back, everyone. We're going into our final segment here on the show. Allison Drayson from Edelouz. We interviewed her backstage at the Seattle Hemp Fest. Before we let you go, though, a reminder, we've got our Hemp Day Hump Day with Doug Fine tomorrow. We'll also play an interview with Joy Beckerman, one of the leading hemp experts in Washington State. On Thursday, Cops Say Legalized Drugs, we've got Teresa Smallwood, a former prosecutor. And on Friday, Maya Elizabeth from Whoopi and Maya joins us on the show. And now let's go to Allison Drayson backstage at the Seattle Hemp Fest. Welcome back, Tokers and Tokets. Radical Russ here backstage at the Seattle Hemp Fest, the 25th anniversary. Backstage at Main Stage, and we just had the 420 break, and everybody's feeling irie. Joining me back here, we've got Allison Drayson. She's with Etta Luz, and you're the CEO, correct? I am. Fantastic. So tell us what Etta Luz is all about. Etta Luz um, started as a medical cannabis uh, edible company um, about like 2010. 
And um, we were uh, very conscious of our ingredients um, and of our, our starting product and using labels that are FDA. You know, we really wanted to, we were one of the first to stand out with our like FDA required labels. Uh, and so now we are in a limbo situation now because medical is over in Washington State. And so we are looking to partner up with the current processor to get our edibles on the recreational market. Are there moves on this new hybrided recreational medical thing that they're Frankensteining together here in Washington? Anything as far as your regulations as labeling goes? No. Um, well, the the new market, there's nothing, there's no cannabis to even make medical at this point uh, because it just started July 1st. Okay. So it's going to take, you know, it takes a while to grow a plant. This is like the start over this is the, This is the start over. But you know, the, one of the sad things is, is like um, the, the medical community that we built up here that is now, it's like we're homeless. And we've all kind of like, you know, having mm. to find other areas within the community that's, it's the new community of yes. cannabis. Yes, yes. Wow, it's, it's going to be a lot of change going on here in Washington State for a long time, it seems like. Uh, one of the hazards of going first, perhaps. Um, you know, I, I, I have such mixed feelings about yeah. it. Um, uh, I just... I think we all do. <laughs> I think it's like, well... We, we wanted to stop arresting people, but... Eh. I get it. And, you know, and I definitely don't want our prisons, like, filled with yeah. uh, plant prisoners because it's just it's such a waste of money and resources. Um, but I also see that, like, the loss of a, a, a community yeah. um, that we built up over the last, you know, five, six years is just, you know, it's sad. Even those who have already gone on into the new... Um, regulated system are having issues with you know being yeah. torn of what to do so it's it's been fascinating to observe it all it's an interesting study too being in the pacific northwest and i'm based in in portland uh we legalized two years later and at least from what i hear from the people in the medical community doing a far better job of the integration and, and the rollout why I they're both agree. pacific northwest states they both had similar medical marijuana laws you why know, the difference i don't i have no idea but you guys are much more progressive down there in oregon you yeah. get your home grows i mean you you're not without with issues yeah they cut them down um, a bit, but a bit, I, i'd yeah. like to think that in oregon that they looked uh, at the mistakes that washington made mm. and are trying to do it better that's all i can hope and, in, and at this yeah. point it's the best model that's out there well, thank you. I, I tend to agree. Oregon's doing it uh, really well. I, uh, aside from our Eastern Oregon compromise, I'm not too fan of that. Too much of a fan of that. But I, and I, I don't perfect. know the full laws of Oregon. I just know that there's a lot of people who are migrating down to Oregon because oh, yeah. they find that they can still serve patients in uh, an economical way and a positive way, and that you just your your laws are, are so much easier to deal with down there. Well, I'm hoping what happens is there ends up being this cross border competition. And when I they thought there already was. Well, well, and and as people, these best talents start to flee south, maybe that starts to change. You guys some are getting lines. lots of good growers that yeah. I know are coming down. No there. kidding, no kidding. Super and great hash makers too. Yes, we are. We're speaking with Allison Drayson. She's with uh, Edaluz. Is it Edaluz? Edaluz. Just Edaluz. Yeah. Okay. It, uh, so the name actually came from my grandparents. My grandmother was Ethel, and my grandfather was Lou. And um, I'm from the South, from okay. Charleston. Charleston. And so I took uh, I took all my grandma's recipes, and that's how I started my edible okay. company. So I took their two names and combined them to form Edaluz. Yeah. So do you still have relatives in the South? In I do. Oh, my there? family is the very family entrenched. I'm like a you know an eighth generation Southern. Wow. Um, I don't. I was that at was. some point. I, can't, <laughs> I, I liberalized. Yeah. <laughs> so I, that's always interesting to me. I, I'm from Idaho and had to leave my whole family behind because I couldn't stay there and keep out of jail. Uh, 
being from all the way across the country, uh, has that been difficult for you? Hell no. No? Hell, you know, You're my parents have been really supportive. You yeah. know, I, um, I, they see the good work that I did in the medical community, and they just, it, it's like I use the opportunity to educate them about cannabis so that then okay. they go and educate their southern friends. And, like, you know, every time I go home, they're like, oh, did you bring anything from the West Coast? I'm like, I don't know about all that. <laughs> there might be something Why? in the freezer. That I don't would know be where a crime, wouldn't it? It would totally be a crime. I would never do that ever. I'm so law-abiding. <laughs> I'm, uh, but but like, I guess I get the feel that like those people deserve medicine too. Sure. And it's really hard being on the West Coast where you know you can get medicine anywhere you need um, yeah. some some decent medicine. And the fact that those people are sick too, mm-hmm. don't they deserve to have access to the plant? Yeah, it's and, it's, and what's uh, changing a lot of minds, I find, are the edibles and even more so the topicals. I, I've been telling topicals. people, you want to legalize marijuana, get grandma a topical. That's abs- That's how I started with my family. My yeah. dad had bad knees, yeah. and I got him some cannabis basics, getting her a little plug there. And he <laughs> um, he's like, oh, my God, it works. And now he'll be like, send me some more of that shit. Yeah. You know, because it's CBD, so it's very low THC, and it's a Haba product that can be shipped across the country. There you go. I, uh, I got the chance to uh, catch uh, Representative Dana Rohrbacher at the Capitol when he admitted to his use of a topical. And the follow-up on that is that he has reported numerous numbers of his colleagues, he won't say who, but numbers of his colleagues in the House who are now asking about, well, hey, tell me about this this topical thing. Uh, I actually work with a lot of ex-NFL players um, because I work, uh, I've met them through high times, and so I um, help them find topicals that are helpful for their aches and pains post, you know, football. Is that with gridiron cannabis? Um, No. No, it's just like, I've met them through private means, and they want, they they don't want to get involved in uh, actual cannabis because of their endorsements, sure. but they want the pain relief um, that cannabis can offer them in a topical. Topicals are super hot. Yeah. I think that they are definitely going to be the way of getting more people um, open to the idea of the plant. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on the edible side of, it, of this, I was speaking with uh, someone earlier about how it was kind of... Edibles were kind of the, the surprise for a lot of us, uh, both on the prohibition side and on our side, as to A, how popular they were, and B, how much they'd become part of the prohibitionist repertoire against us, particularly with the little kids and the overdoses and the ERs. Give me your thoughts on the, on the edibles, and, and I know you have some... Some some tips on overdose. I do. Prevention. You know, I, I I've been hearing a lot of people um, out uh, talking publicly about that there are no antidotes for THC. Yeah. Uh, but Ethan Russo in the British Journal of Pharmacology in 2012 wrote about antidotes um, using terpenes such as limonene or pinene. Limonene can be found in orange juice, um, in uh, lemonade, pinene, pistachios, pine nuts. I always keep those in my house in the event, like, because there have been times when I've eaten the wrong uh, capsule of THC, and it turns out it's, like, you know, way higher. Drink a little bit of lemonade, and I can honestly attest that it works. Wow. Um, In the High Times house, that's how it actually, I started to piece it together. In the judge's house, they would have uh, lemonades, orange juice, the pine nuts, and the pistachios, and I had asked Elise McDonough, yeah, who I saw you I interview talking. earlier, yeah. um, I had asked her why, and so we, it's, it, it all came full circle wow. with the knowledge that I learned from Ethan and what they were doing at high times. So I always recommend to people, if they get too uncomfortable, whether it be with concentrates or edibles or even just smoking flour, keep those things handy. Everyone has orange. You can go to the corner store and make sure you have orange juice. Sure. You know. And, you know, the only other... 
uh, uh, remedied I'd heard like this was uh, peppercorns. Well, you can sniff pepper, yeah. um, but it's so much easier to that's kind of juice. I mean, pepper is a little weird. Um, you know, that's the beta carotene, uh, beta carotene um, in the black pepper that okay. helps with the uh, mitigation of the delta nines, like the limonene and the pinene. Uh, but that, like, more people need to know yeah. that there are antidotes, and I feel that especially in areas where the prohibition is strong, if they knew that there were some tools that they can use, if their kid gets a hold of cannabis somehow, you know, yeah, these are easy come. home remedies. Yeah. Uh, but now I have the dread realization that the lemonade I've been having at lunch has been killing my heart. It is. It does. In the same way that um, having a high CBD, CBD uh, also mitigates the effect of the Delta 9. So I actually know people who um, can tolerate higher levels of THC because they are ingesting CBD in their daily regimen. Hmm. Uh, yeah. But you're, yes, um, if you're, um, you're, you're, you're mitigating the effects of your Delta 9 when yeah. you're drinking um, lemonade or orange juice with your your cannabis intake and going the other direction mangoes mangoes will get you even higher yeah isn't that amazing how terpenes can work that way (laughs) i i love terpenes are my favorite like it's just amazing uh the synergistic effect that they have with the thc yeah it's the awesome wonderful thing about our plant the cannabis plant and this gets referred to uh dr gupta refers to it as the entourage effect others have called it the entourage effect as well but i think that's maybe where the mainstream heard of that yes. term. Uh, and, and that's a big part of it, these, uh, these terpenes. And I'm starting to find now uh, uh, people that are extracting terpenes from other plants. They are. And adding them to their cannabis products. They are. And, you know, I actually took a class at Bastyr on essential oils. Okay. And we learned that um, that, uh, it's not toxic. Um, You know, there are some people out there who say it should only be cannabis-derived. I feel for patients, cannabis-derived terpenes are important for them um, to get that synergistic effect. But if you're on the recreational market, I don't feel like that there's a problem with the products um, of of terpenes that come from other plants. Yeah. You know, there's there's also the synthetic, the compounded terpenes um, that are made in a lab. Yeah. Everyone has their own perspective of that. It's it's uh, fascinating how. But much they are selling them. Oh yeah, they are. They are selling them isolated, and they're selling them for very expensive for ten drops. Very, very like a hundred dollars for a ten drops. What? That's yeah. crazy. All right, Allison Drayson, CEO of Edaluz, give out some contact information. Or any of the other online or plugs? Oh, you can find me on Instagram at Edaluz, uh, and you can find me on Facebook at Edaluz, or you can hook up with us at Edaluz at Gmail, and that's E T T A L E W S at Gmail uh, or on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you. Lou like Alcindor, not like Abbott. There's my incredibly dated references. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been fun. Thank you, Allison. And we're going back to Seattle Hemp Fest because this weed ain't going to smoke itself. Well, we had a great time at Seattle Hemp Fest. And folks, before we leave you today, we opened up the show with breaking news out of the 10th Circuit Court of Appeals. We give you some more breaking news out of the Tenth Circuit, at least from that area. Oklahoma Secretary of State has certified that they have collected enough signatures to put medical marijuana on the ballot in Oklahoma. That's right. This year we'll be reporting on medical marijuana votes in Oklahoma and North Dakota. Somebody better check the thermostat in hell all the time we got for today thanks for joining us join us again the rest of this week at 3 p.m pacific time 6 p.m eastern for the rest belleville show the npr of pot 
For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down.